you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Builds through the draft. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy draft night. Oh! Ew. Some people happier than others. Am I right, Mark Sessler? I think you're correct. Ow! What about you, Don Henley? I mean, it, I have... <laughs> You're calling me Don Henley? Why yeah, these shirts are – it's a trend. It's an official trend. It's a thing that's going on in your world. That I keep – well, a lot of people didn't think I would go Henley back-to-back days, and I wanted to upend uh, – Shock Is it even world. a new garment, or is it just the is same it, one again? No, it's a different one. We thought the I bears – A lot of people. We thought the oh, yeah. bears shocked the world. Streets were talking. Greg Rosenthal comes along and is completely upending his wardrobe <laughs> in one of the more pivotal points of the league calendar. Yeah, let's spend more time on my Henleys. Um <laughs> – this is the late, late Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, driven, of course, by Hyundai. And, uh, yes, about eh, about 45 minutes ago or so, the first round concluded of the NFL draft in Philadelphia, um, a, a, a first round that came with uh, its fair share of surprises. Fair to say, Wes? Absolutely. I mean, I think we were all shocked by the Bears and Brooks or Sosimo, our pitcher for the Shield, mm. just stopped me in the hallway and said, what a day. At least we're not Bears fans. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does hit at that point. And we brought it up on this podcast before that if you're a Bears fan of a certain age, and I'll put you around right around like that 40 years old, a little bit younger than 40, you are a sneaky, tortured fan base. And maybe... Maybe Mitchell Trubisky turns out to be an all-pro. And, and of course, if you're listening to the show, you know what happened by now. The Bears gave up the farm to move up one spot from three to two and go get the UNC quarterback. Uh, but, you know, right now, as things stand, Bears fans are scratching their head 
we just mortgaged our future to get a quarterback that we don't know much about. We haven't seen a lot of tape of. Nobody was really sold on the guy. Oh, and we just gave like $20 million to Mike Lennon. He just threw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field. And got booed for it. And got booed for it. You savages. And uh, what are we doing here? So if you're a Bears fan, I get it. Brooks right. They Bears fans had the night that Mark Sessler was fearing. They are going to be universally mentioned as the big losers of the night. And I think it makes sense, although I do worry a little bit when everyone is on one side saying this team blew it. You know, usually we don't really know what we're talking about, but it's such a recipe for disaster if, if we're getting into this pick because John Fox, who's not exactly known for developing quarterbacks, has to worry about saving his job, playing Mike Glennon, getting him going for the first time as a starter, while the most important thing in the organization is developing Mitch Trubisky. And, oh, by the way, his offensive coordinator is Dowell Loggins, and his number one receiver is Cameron Meredith. Logjam. Not it's, a recipe it's, for success. It's it's also a team that spent gave no clues about Mitchell Trubisky. They didn't bring him in for multiple visits. They didn't sit down and meet with him. It came out of nowhere. I think it stunned Bears fans, and it saddled them with a quarterback as they went on NFL Network from one analyst to the next, no one could truly anoint or praise Trubisky it's, as a franchise-type quarterback. It's like, you know, he's one of these collection of quarterbacks that needs time, that has gaps in his play, that's going to come in and be someone that's not a day-one starter that's going to give you what you need. That one, I will take issue. You said saddled. It is far too early to give up well, on Mitch Trubisky. I was not obviously. into the Mitchell Trubisky experience in Cleveland, and I feel like – I would have felt saddled gave, as a Browns fan. And we have a bunch of Bears fans around us, and their reaction was that. I get their reaction. Right. And I get you as a Browns fan, and I felt the same way as a Jets fan. Before the draft earlier today, I said that I said exactly that to you. I said, I hope, Mark, we're both hoping to avoid this guy just because he didn't, whatever for whatever reason, didn't pass the smell test um, uh, to a lot of people heading into this draft. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to suck. There's this general idea already that the Bears blew this. We have no yeah. idea. Nobody really knows. And if he develops into a functional starter, then it was the right move. Well, but, we all look ridiculous you know. then, and that wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Exactly. Everyone thinks they know everything right now. It's just good to remember that nobody knows anything. Including the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this straight. Your master plan is to overpay for Jameis Winston's backup to save your job and then to draft the kid with 13 college starts to keep your job after it's saved. Well, I, I don't. That's not the. It doesn't inspire a lot of hope in your fan base. Let me just lay out what the exact trade was. By the way, they so the Bears they moved up from three to two, and the 49ers, And that's a good job by you, John Lynch. You're what a, a night job. for Lynchy. Oh, Lynchy's yeah. doing a nice job so far. It seems like anyway, the 49ers, they got uh, the number three pick, so they moved back literally one spot for a guy. Uh, they, that they didn't want anyways, they gave up the spot for, and they get uh, the number three pick, the number 67 overall pick, the number 111 pick, and then a third rounder in 2018. Uh, all that to move back one spot. That is great. I don't know. You know they have those draft value charts where you're able to grade who got the better end of the deal. I'm sure this one is off the board. I think what happened <laughs> here, and a lot of the – stuff that's been coming out over the last 48 hours, even longer, with Cleveland potentially trace, chasing after Mitch Trubisky, that San Francisco was in a perfect place to tell the Bears, 
listen, we've got offers for this pick. Cleveland's one of them, and I think it drove. I think it must have drove the drove the amount up. Well, and they an they say they had trade. two other offers, and no one knows if that's the truth. But they're they're telling this to reporters, you know, on on and off the record that they had other offers. The Bears obviously believed it, so they did a really good job selling that throughout the week. They they get to take their their favorite player in Solomon Thomas. The thing is, Trubisky was backing up. You know, you talk about you know Jameis Winston's backup. At least he's backing up a really good player. You know, Mitch Trubisky, you know, 24 months ago, is backing up Marquise Williams. Who? That, that's the I might not question. even gotten that name uh, right. I think he was in Packers camp last year and didn't make it. Right. That's the question about him. They, they've all said he does seem to have the tools. All these quarterbacks have them. How did he not get out of that situation but earlier in North Carolina? Here's what you can criticize is the process because I don't think anyone at any point, and even listening to Ryan Pace on Thursday night talk about Trubisky, it was kind of like, okay, this guy looks like a quarterback. He's accurate. You know, he processes things pretty quickly. No one's talking about him like a Jameis Winston, like Mariota, like Andrew Luck, like a guy that you would normally give up all these picks for. It seems like people are hoping that the ceiling for him is just like a solid NFL starter, and you're giving up that much almost as a panic. And Pace talking about it was like, well, I don't know how else you address the quarterback position. This is how you have to do it. You have to be ultra-aggressive. But how about you address it next year when you've already got your starter for this year? Because it's obviously meant to be a much better class, and, there are, and you've got higher GMs trying to sell you on quarterbacks that no one actually sees as franchise answers at this point. We it, thought it's, the, it's, un, it's discomforting if you're a Bears fan. We thought the Browns might be the sucker that falls for the most obvious draft screen, smoke screen we've seen in a, in a long time. <laughs> and it was the Bears who were the suckers. Nobody should have believed that the 49ers were going to draft Mitchell Trubisky. But I get that they maybe another team would have jumped ahead of the Bears. Still, that's a lot to pay well, for what, one what, spot. One thing that I do want to say is, the quarterbacks, whatever talk there was about that the quarterbacks weren't really that valued as franchise guys, I mean, that was nonsense in the end because I think there were multiple teams willing to move up for Trubisky at two, and we saw there was multiple playoff teams willing to give up a lot of draft stock to move into the top 11. So people said this wasn't a good quarterback class, but it was treated like a, a good quarterback class. And other than 2013, uh, which was the E.J. Manuel Geno Smith year, I feel like the same thing happens every year. Yeah. Whether it's a great quarterback class or a bad quarterback class, by the time the actual draft day comes, there is uh, multiple teams that talk themselves into treating a guy like he is a franchise star. Three out of the first 12 picks quarterbacks this year. By the way, we're talking about it. Every Fans are talking about it. You know, like people behind the scenes of the NFL are talking about the trade that the, the Bears agreed to. Tom Coughlin was, uh, had his media availability uh, after the Jaguars took um, Leonard Fournette with the fourth pick. Uh, he had this to say, the move that Chicago and San Francisco made, talk about would you like to be the recipient of one of those deals to get what you had in mind right off the bat and pick up those extra picks? Pretty nice deal. I've never seen one of those. And then he was asked if he was envious of the Chicago-San Francisco trade. Oh, my gosh, nothing like that has ever come my way. So <laughs> 49ers are feeling pretty good about being the on the right side of history here. Little theory here. Yeah. Doth uh, – doth- protest too much. Maybe Coughlin was one of those teams trying to trade up and get a quarterback. I mean, he's honking a little too much there. By the way, this feeling is guilty. This is how the uh, 2017 NFL draft started, by the way. We we're talking about the second pick. This was the first pick. With the first pick in the 2017 NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select Miles Garrett. 
Defensive end, Texas A&M. Mark Sessler, you want to talk about your Browns a little bit? Sure. Browns had a, a very, very nice round where they – they Suddenly Greg is a 1996 <laughs> rave boy. <laughs> where they, they make the move that I think – and this kind of came out in the hours leading up to the draft that it was going to be Garrett number one. I think a lot settled a lot of nerves for fans like Mark Sessler and and doubters like a Dan Hansis. Like, are the Browns going to mess this up? They didn't mess up. They picked Garrett, the safe, logical move. Then they move back from number 12, and they go uh, pick up another first-round pick. Uh, this again, now from the Texans again. You got to love it, Mark. They have their first and second-round pick next year, and it was also that Houston could sort out their quarterback issues. It was – Quite masterful. So then they go and they get Jabril Peppers, who's like a do-it-all type player that uh, some people are high on. A lot of people are high on. And then they trade back into the first round to get a third first-round pick, and they go get a tight end. What's his name, Mark? Because I don't know it. David Njoku. Njoku. Uh, the future. From Miami. So you're, for a guy that went 3-0 and with the sandwich props, some would say 3-0 and in the first round. It's all coming up sizzler. Well, I think the sandwich side's going gonna to head south tomorrow. But here's the thing. I, I was up around 3 in the morning, early this morning, on Twitter, reading all this wave of speculation. The surprising news I've heard so far. Well, right. But that, that Cleveland's coaching staff and their front office, no one's on the same page. Half of them want Mitch Trubisky, and they see him as the answer at quarterback, which – very concerning to me after spending the night watching Mitchell Trubisky and be like, this looks like every Browns quarterback I've seen. Jury's out. We'll see how he pans out. But the fact that they finally just came to a consensus, and I think they probably were, they said for two weeks they knew who they wanted. This feels like it was a cooked-up drama, and I, I don't even put it past the league to cook up a drama that says we need to go into this draft like we did last year with mysteries and open questions, and they did the best they could. But I do think that they wanted – Miles Garrett from the start. They Someone inside the building talked about being heads and tails above any other player in this draft, and they got it right. That initially settled me. And then to see them wheeling and dealing, again, stealing another first-round pick from the Texans to move down and then get a player in Jabril Peppers, who I think is a controversial player, but someone that they like, and then to get the tight end that they needed as well. You could say maybe they should have stayed at 12 and taken someone like O.J. Howard, who was the consensus top tight end, and they need playmakers on offense. But this is the third or fourth exercise, whether it's in free agency or whether it's in the draft, where the front office has not been fleeced. They've shown that they've stuck to their plan. They're not trading up and selling the farm necessarily. They're adding picks for the future, and they go into next year's draft, hopefully with a chance to make a big move for the quarterback in a real quarterback class. they got to play the long game, and this is the long game play. While also you're you're stocking up, and Wes, who great, you wrote a great winners and losers column after the draft about how teams are willing to mortgage their future to, on, on the hope of a quarterback panning out. And eventually the Browns will have to do that. They will at some point. Because they're not going to be good this year either. Maybe they'll be better. Uh, but th- as long as Brock Osweiler is going to be competing for snaps and Cody Kessler is the other guy, it's probably going to be another sub-500 year. But it seems... that They're moving towards something else. It's the right year to take the long view, I think. Yeah. And... It's disappointing for Browns fans who have suffered so long without a quarterback. But you pass up all these guys. There's no can't-miss prospect this year. So I get that. You pick up three impact starters in the first round. But there has to be a plan B. And and you mentioned 
next year. You've got four quarterback prospects everybody really likes in the draft. You also might have Kirk Cousins available. You might have Jimmy G available on the franchise tag with a trade. And you've got extra picks. So you've got the ammunition to pull that off. But I like the idea of what they're doing, building their talent base, which was desperately needed. I just The one thing is after – having what seemed to be building a clear philosophy, had they gone and had some of these rumors been true and they had suddenly shifted after passing on Carson Wentz to take Mm. Mitch Trubisky, I would have said... That wouldn't have made no sense. I would have said, you know what? It's another front office that says they're about something, but they're about nothing. I come out of tonight thinking they are about something and they've stuck to it. And there's, for the first time, I think if you're a Browns fan, you have to be patient still, but there is a plan versus just... Uh, you know, factions and disinterest, like, you know, conflict nonstop between people inside the building. And so it, we can it, see. it sounds weird, but for as much as it looks grim in 2017, who's going to be better playing in the NFL in 2017, Cody Kessler or Mitch Trubisky? I mean, I, I would think Cody Kessler has a chance in that offense having been there. I'm not getting all excited about him, right. but I, I think the Browns were trying to get a team like the Bears to trade up for Jabisky. They might as well have tried, and now they have an identity uh, on their defense. I mean, they have Greg Williams, but that hasn't really been talked about that much. They have Greg Williams to try to unleash Miles Garrett. You have Jamie Collins on the second level. Like, that defense is coming Danny together Schell. with an identity. Yeah, Jabril Peppers. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's stick in the top ten right now. Uh, Greg, who do you want to talk about? So, another move that was made in the top ten that jumped out to you. Uh, in the top 10, I mean, we might as well stick with the 49ers at three just to talk about what John Lynch did. I criticized him somewhat during free agency. I think the way that this worked out on Thursday was unbelievable. Now, he said after the draft, you mentioned all the picks that they picked up just for moving from two to three. They obviously like Solomon Thomas. They ended up using one of those picks to trade back into the end of the first round and take Reuben Foster. And at his press conference, John Lynch said, Reuben Foster and Solomon Thomas were in my top three on the board. Now, you, n- you never know if that's true, but it checks out with what people like Daniel Jeremiah were saying that just pure talent-wise, Reuben Foster – has sort of a, you know, Keekley or Ray Lewis, you know, just this, um, the middle linebacker that you dream of. And there's Patrick re- Willis. Right. There's red flags and it's, it's off the field, but it's also physical. And I think that's why he ended up falling. But to get those two guys and have moved around the board, I think if you're a 49ers fan and you're taking the long view like the Browns, you got to be thrilled. I thought Lynch had a great first night. I can't believe people fell for the smoke screen at number two. He turned that into three extra picks. And then Reuben Foster, who I know Mark loves because he's got that linebacker mentality. So he's so physical. And I did hear the Patrick Willis comparison. So a couple of years after you lose Patrick Willis to a surprise retirement, you pick a guy who's reminiscent of him. Build your defense around those two guys, plus your last two top ten picks were defensive guys who were going to play defensive tackle and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. They've got some talent now. And and I think the Saints got – this, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes' pick later, but I think the Saints, if the buzz was right, they might have had two picks taken from them. I think the Chiefs traded in front of the Saints believing that the Saints might take Patrick Mahomes, and so that's why they went to 10. And I absolutely believe the 49ers thought the Saints were going to take Reuben Foster, so they jumped one spot ahead of him. So good job on Lynch doing that. And, you know, a few years back, 
the Browns drafted Trent Richardson. He turned into an epic draft bust at number three overall. Then there was the backlash against running backs. And now we're inching back towards running backs being uh, a high-class position in the in the top of the first round. And maybe it's just the, the cycle of players in the college game. But a uh, year after Zeke Elliott uh, tears up the league after being a top 10 pick, two more running backs are drafted. Uh, Leonard Fournette from the Jags, as we said, which uh, both both these picks are very sensible. Fournette to the Jags fills a huge need for Jacksonville, takes some heat off Blake Bortles or whoever's starting uh, both in the short and long term in Jacksonville. And then at number eight, the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, who uh, he just like zoomed up the draft boards and mock drafts across the country leading up to this event. And he's the one that has everybody really excited. And that fills a huge need as well, Mark, for the, the Panthers who need to add a little extra dimension to their offense instead of just Cam Newton getting whacked I around. All both running back picks change the identity of that offense and make both teams more exciting on offense. You know, the TJ Yeldon thing never worked out in Jacksonville the way they wanted it to. And not, you know the Chris Ivory thing. That was a terrible pick, right. considering the other great out. running backs in that class. I mean, Fournette is a fascinating, powerful runner who gives them an identity. And McCaffrey, it's like this is a team, the Carolina, that only the Packers had fewer receptions by a running back. Now you've added the draft's most powerful element in that part of your offense. And it's an incredible thing to add to the Cam Newton and what he has to work with now. I think he immediately changes the way that Carolina can attack teams. And he is someone that rose up appropriately, combine on. And I wouldn't have been surprised to see him go later, but he always fit for the Panthers. It's nice to see one of these things that we saw potentially before the draft actually happen. It's one of the few things tonight that did. You have possibly the slowest starting running back in the NFL and Jonathan Stewart. Oh, poor You've got Johnny. big, slow, wide Frank Gore's like, what about me? Jonathan right. Stewart was the Leonard Fournette of his day back in the day. He but was. Yes, he was incredibly old. fast, freakishly <laughs> talented when he was younger. Their wide receivers are big and on the slow side. They needed Christian McCaffrey's playmaking ability, and they run so much out of the shotgun. Cam Newton with the read option and all, everything they do there. Christian McCaffrey is the perfect shotgun running back. Sometimes picks – really tell you how the NFL is changing. And this would have been a pick that would have been impossible to imagine as recently as four years ago, much less, you know, in the 80s or 90s, that a running back who you pretty much are drafting him knowing that he's not going to be a between-the-tackles, 20-carry-a-game guy, that you're drafting him to run a little bit inside, a lot outside, and catch five or seven passes it's a, a game. a different position. They shouldn't even be called running. Right. It's a right. totally different league. Like Guys like Eddie Lacy and Le'Veon Bell, who are good prospects coming into the draft, like they got drafted late second round, and now a guy like McCaffrey, who's totally different, totally different. You're right. It's a different position. It's basically a space player, and it makes sense to me that the NFL's changed that much where he goes in the top. I eight. think team. his father was a great NFL player for the Broncos. That matters, too. Lineage matters in the NFL. They, he's been raised knowing what an NFL life is like, what the expectations are, and I think they everyone who met with him was so impressed by him that this is a perfect pick for the Panthers. By the way, I'm happy. I'm very happy with my New York Jets, the number six pick. Um... Very similar to 2015, which was uh, Big Mac's first season as GM, where Leonard Williams was thought by many people to be potentially a top three pick and ended up falling to the Jets. That was a lot of the buzz around Jamal Adams, the safety from LSU, going to the Jets at six. And this is a guy that they are desperately – they showed a shot in the war room, the Jets' war room, and Todd Bowles was like – 
in a daze, like a happy, like a kid on Christmas morning after he opened up all his presents. That's what, <laughs> the type of impact this guy. Daniel Jeremiah called him, in his estimation, the second best player in the draft. I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. And uh, over on ESPN, John Gruden said he was his favorite player in the entire draft class. That's enough. That's all I need to hear. I don't know. I haven't seen Jamal Adams myself, but people are huge on this guy. He's like a, a superstar potential leader guy. That's what you need to get. Kind of like a lower – like the Browns are getting the headlines for taking this right path. Focus on getting good players. Don't get hung up with quarterbacks. Jets have to do the same thing. Adams, a nice pick. Well, this is who Spice Rack compared to Troy Polamalu. And – you know, the Jets The Jets have needs all over the place, but if you're Todd Bowles, why not get a player that you know you can use? This is not someone he does – He, you know, an offensive guy that someone else is going to handle. This is Todd Bowles' attempt to save his job, to keep, to stay in New York for a long time. Every great NFL defense needs a leader and tone setter like a Ray Lewis or an Ed Reed or a Brian Dawkins. This guy is the leader. He, as a freshman at LSU, he was named captain – for at least one of the games, which is the first time in the last 12 to 14 years of that program, wow. a freshman has been named captain for a game. Mm. And it's another player whose father was in the NFL's dad was with the Giants when they won a Super Bowl. And first that was pick. pretty entertaining today on NFL Network, I Th- thought. They have no depth. The, the Jets have no depth. And, and DJ, Dana Jeremiah, called you know them the worst roster in the league. And I think there's a case to be made That's there. That's fair. I do think that you can make a case for their defense now looking at the start. There's not a lot of depth, but the defense, you know, Dodd Bowles is a defensive coach. He's a secondary type of coach. It's not a ta- – they have some talent on defense. I'd like to see them win seven or eight games. Long way to go on the right other side of the ball. Long Sam Darnold sweepstakes. No, no, no. Scam for Sam. It's overachieve. Still intact. But by the way, for anyone that thinks that the Jets are in a down cycle right now, you're way off because listen to what Dion has to say. Mr. Adams, you do know that the Jets are not rebuilding. They want to win now. The guy is drunk. <laughs> it's He potentially Deion. wasn't super plugged into the Jets of last season. We don't know. De- does Dion think it's like uh, April of 1969? Like, <laughs> we don't know. Dion, come back to us. Like, honestly, primetime. I know he's an avid listener and watcher of the show, so he'll be he will be reaching out to you shortly. All right, let's talk about the quarterbacks that go ten and twelve, and we'll start with Patrick Mahomes, who the Chiefs get. Uh, your guys' takeaway: jump in, whoever wants it. They needed a bold move. They need to spice things up. They had reached their ceiling. I think they knew that Alex Smith has limitations for his as winning of a program that they've been the last couple of years in the regular season. They aren't going to the promised land with Alex Smith, and that's a tacit admission of it by drafting Patrick Mahomes. Well, it's it's funny because he's, by description, the opposite of Alex Smith. That's one reason why I respect Andy Reid, and I really – like like him as a coach. I think he coaches the talent that he has. He doesn't just have one specific type. He Mahomes is a big arm guy that needs to be controlled, but is like an incredible improviser. And they clearly looked at him like this is the guy that we want to roll with to put us over the top. This is the equivalent to when the 49ers took Callan Kaepernick to replace Alex Smith. Except the difference is Alex Smith did a good job holding off Kaepernick. He was 27 years old back then. He's going to be turning 33. It's got to be a disappointing night for Alex Smith. I mean, he's going to get another year to be their starter and everything, but just to know that your team, who's in the divisional round of the playoffs, really doesn't believe in you 100%. Uh, Well, it is a great 
landing spot for Mahomes because, you know, there were teams like the Browns and others that, that he had been linked to all sorts of other teams. If you, if the, what little we've seen in Mahomes, not as much as DJ and others, but if you put him into a situation where they push him onto the field in week two or week three come September, it could have been a disastrous beginning of his career. I think it's best for him to sit. He clearly has a lot of things to work on, but he goes somewhere where they don't need him to put him in there. He might come in sooner than people think, but I, I, I think I, it's a great landing spot. I doubt he will. I, I, I think you could easily see a scenario where this is a, a team built to win now, where Mahomes doesn't play in 2017 or 2018. I believe in Andy Reid. I believe – He's a QB whisper. I believe he's the. this is the exact place any rookie quarterback wants to go, especially one that needs the year of grooming – I think that Mahomes is in a great spot. Makes a lot of sense. But then you got the Texans. And uh, I'm, one of my prop bets was the Texans and Browns get quarterbacks in the first round. And the Browns I felt confident about, but the Texans to me felt like the slam dunk just because they're so desperate to turn the page on whatever happened last year. And that's what they did. They I wouldn't call it a desperate move, but they move up to number 12 in the trade with the Browns that we talked about earlier. How uh, is it not desperate? Well, if they, they gave up their first and their second round pick to the Browns. All right. It was costly. <laughs> but I will tell you that there are people that believe, including, well, his head coach thinks he's the next Michael Jordan. Uh, Deshaun Watson is the type of guy who could be a transcendent type quarterback. And if their studies are right, and it's not just a despera- desperation ploy and a hope, and if this guy turns into something well worth the move up the board. It is. And – we don't know how accurate, let's say, like Mike Mayock and DJ were in their quarterback evaluations, but they didn't think any of these guys were first-round picks. Yeah, like They didn't right. think any of them were top 20. And you're giving up. Rick Smith was lucky enough, and I guess he deserves a little bit of credit for maneuvering things in a way that he got a second chance to put his job on the line, but he put his job on the line with Brock Osweiler. That totally failed. And then he basically had to give up two first two picks, the first two picks of next year's draft, to get another guy, and it better it better work. It's like he has yeah. no other choice. And, I mean, it, the Chiefs moving up for Mahomes changed the urgency level for the Texans. There was a period in the draft process where the old Texans can sit at number 25, and one of these guys will fall right into the laps. Well, at some point, as NFL analysts, maybe 17 or 18 years from now, we'll learn that this is not how quarterbacks operate in the first round. You're not going to get the guy at number 25. They had to move up. And it is incredibly costly to think that you have given up a first and second round pick for another one of these quarterbacks that no one deems as a day one full fledged plug and play well, starter. It, it there's such you don't a, know how it'll be though. There's such a transparent parallel in terms of drafts, and you never know. The players are totally different, but it's Gabbert and Locker and Ponder and those trades up. The the way that everyone viewed that draft going into it. Is almost identical to, to these guys and how it ended up being and that teams ended up trading up or taking the guys in the top 12. Here's a frustrating thought from a fan of the NFL. After all the free agency, after the first time of the common draft era that three different trades up for quarterbacks happened in the first round, quarterbacks slated to start in week one are Brian Hoyer, <laughs> Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, Tom Savage, and Mike Glennon. Tom Savage is all of this money spent, all of this draft pick resources wow. spent, and those guys are starting. I and mean, if it's they, not Kessler, it's Brock Osweiler. Here's the good news if you're a Texans fan. Number one, look at the difference. You want differences between last year and this year. Last year, your head coach met with your franchise quarterback, your new franchise quarterback, for five minutes before ink went to paper. 
Bill O'Brien, according to James Palmer, sat Watson down for three hours during his recent visit. He was very impressed with how he retained and recalled the information given to him. And here's the other thing you want to be excited about. This is more a carryover. And I know, Wes, you'll like this a lot. Bill O'Brien, also according to James Palmer, who has very good hair, but maybe could stand to muss it up just a little bit. <laughs> Bill O'Brien reiterates what Rick Smith, general manager, told me. Tom Savage is the starting QB. Until he's not. Tom Savage is real. That's easy to say in April. Bill has his mind plugged into the quarterback room at all times. Well, it's the same way that that Blake Bortles and Ryan Tannehill and every quarterback since is going to have a red shirt year, and we're going to sit them and we're going to ease them in, and every one of them are playing by the end of September or early October. Well, the good thing for Glennon is he's getting paid uh, sixteen or seventeen million, whatever, eighteen million guaranteed, whether he plays or not. So at least he got his contract. And here's a little draft parallel for you. Don't give up on Glennon, Wes. Maybe he, oh, are you still on Glennon? Maybe he is the Troy Aikman. Remember when they tried to replace Troy Aikman with Steve Walsh? It didn't happen. He's going to hold them off. That's what Glennon's going to do to Trubisky. You're comparing a cartoon giraffe to a Hall of Fame oh. quarterback. Well, you've you know all, what? You've, that feels yeah. unnecessary. You've seen, one, you've seen one version of Mike Glennon. You haven't seen the angry Mike Glennon after they try to draft his successor. That's an interesting parallel. I'm not... Sure, I totally buy the Steve Walsh-Aikman scenario here. Back to Bill O'Brien for a minute. Yeah. Whenever you have a chance to spend an extra first-round pick for a guy that you're going to put behind Tom Savage, you got to do it. (laughs) You must. (laughs) By the way, you know, the physical pot shots, Wes, I think that's a little unfair. But I can tell you (laughs) with absolute certainty that Mike Lennon remains the worst dancer of any quarterback in the NFL. Without having seen him, nobody's a worse dancer. Better or worse than Mark Madsen, former Lakers powerful? We're in that category. We're in that area. Mm. It's pretty I grim. have no room to speak on that uh, <laughs> subject. <laughs> Your paramours try to get you to dance. Yeah. She's a woman that can move. It's like trying to get a brick wall to dance. That girlfriend of yours, can, she can move. Oh, she can move, yeah. And there's no doubt Definitely about that. Definitely some opposites attracting, at least in terms of the dance floor ability. Yeah, I think in many ways. <laughs> I mean, Wes. She can move. There's no doubt about it. She Why don't you try? What if you were to get out there and give it a, a try? You know, I've seen you in a kitchen where music's playing. What He's if, never danced. No, I'm saying the next step would be just start to, you know. There's a maybe a head nod. Little head nod. Starts I mean, there. Why don't you do things you hate doing? That's that's my. I do them all the time. Here's something interesting to me, and maybe it's be it goes back Wes, and I could relate to it somewhat. Your strict uh, Catholic upbringing. A man that loves music the way you do, and you love music to the Absolutely. point where you've you've created entire, um, you've curated hundreds and hundreds of playlists in your life. Love all types of music. You're tone deaf when it comes to singing. True. And you, it's like the mayor from the movie in Footloose level hatred of dancing. No, no, I I'm fine with other people doing it. I just don't have the ability. It's like a distance thing. My ears are too far from my feet. <laughs> it's just an interesting dichotomy that's all well I just I don't have it's something that I know I'm not good at and I think probably because my mom thinks she's a good dancer and some of my brothers I've seen them dance and yeah. I can tell that it's laughable like they are probably as tone deaf, tone, tone deaf as I am I like that the post-draft podcast has about eight minutes of anal- analysis around Wes's dance abilities 
No mention of the Lions or the Dolphins. Fan base We're going to get there. Left by the side the of the poor road. Ravens fans who would tweet me on a regular basis. You haven't talked about us about in about seven months. We'll get to you guys. Before Saturday's no show, rush. we'll dig in. Uh, this seems like a nice half halftime uh, of the show, though. For I do want to just check in uh, briefly uh, on uh, something I wrote about on the end around. Uh, before, uh, before the draft started, I did get my hands on the entrance songs, the walk-up songs for each of the prospects that were in the green room. Uh, so I figured it'd be fun just to share a few of them. And you NFL.com slash end around for the playlist. It's very hip-hop heavy. I feel very distant. Let's start uh, with DNA by Kendrick Lamar, who Deshaun Kaiser um, went with. Did Deshaun get drafted? No. He has not been drafted. That's, tough. That's a rough situation. That song is not played yet. He should, he should lose the tie and suit and go the sad pullover sweater and tie route of Geno mm. Smith from 2013. But anyway, we didn't get to hear DNA from Kendrick Lamar. This is what people would have would, would have heard. Actually, it's an approximation of what they would have heard if Kendrick Lamar could be played on the show. <laughs> I mean, radiant South Central uh, personified a guy that's changing the game. All right, this is blasphemous to say this. That's kind of pushing. That's pushing league. Kendrick Lamar. I'm surprised not boundaries. every player didn't pick DNA. That's gonna get you fired up. Uh, uh, all right, we'll throw one more out. Drake is always popular. He was all over this. Uh, here is uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who of course went number two after some long, long thought. He went with Forever by Drake, uh, one of my favorite Drake songs. Let's listen to it. This one See, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, classic Drake. One of the great Drake songs. Sure. A couple uh, fun facts, by the way. Is a Lauren Hill in there somewhere? <laughs> I feel like we've, we've heard that on this show before. before. The oldest song on here. There's only, it's sad. I only recognized like two of the 21 songs. One of them was Jump Around, Ryan Ram- Ramchick. Ryan Ramchick, yeah. taken 32nd overall by the Saints. One of only three offensive linemen to come off the board. Not a good night for the linemen. Uh, anyway, Two, I believe. Jump Around by House of Pain, which uh, mm. I remember being a 12-year-old. You know, that was a big song for, like, the white boys in the suburbs to slam dance at school dances. Absolutely. Give each other bloody dances. noses. Yep. I, once I was tra- one of those boys. I once traded a Jewel CD for House of Pain and Bob Marley's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. Were you the Rick Smith in that equation? What was right? I, I, I was the John Lynch. I mean, that, yeah. I, I was gonna say the trade was not sounding great until then. Bob Marley just blew those other two out oh, of yeah. water. So you you worked out. I will. Day. I will. I'll say you were John Lynch in that scenario, but you did at some point own the Jewel CD, which is you know. I bought it. I, I also did. I had. The, I will admit that I was a Jewel fan. Wait, all I, three of you had Jewel. I actually liked Jewel. CD. I yeah. did. She was a vixen. I did. Jewel had a lot going on. It's like this. She's playing a guitar. She's <laughs> wow. outside. Please. Well, I was. I like you Jewel. didn't have a Jewel CD. I like Jewel's music videos and the Foolish Games single was a nice little. You are you are much more of a manly specimen for not having purchased that music. Not, when you know, the three of us. I'm did. not even firing shots, but I guess it's a little surprising that 75 percent of the around the NFL podcast spent 17 dollars on the uh, pieces of me or whatever that CD was called. Well, back then it was like I would just have the Columbia you, House order. I just had to 
Just get get it free. All right, that ends halftime. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> the long halftime. <laughs> it was like a Super Bowl. Coming off a second quarter where we spent the entire second quarter discussing Wes's dance moves and party antics. All right, let's get back into the first round. You want to do a little winners and losers? Just go around the room a little bit and okay. hit on other elements of the first round. Uh, let me let me start here and uh, a move that I liked, and this goes back to. I'm always sad, like as a fan of a loser franchise, I always have empathy for other loser franchises. Cincinnati Bengals, a loser franchise, and they did not do right by Andy Dalton coming off a breakthrough season to replenish what they lost on offense. So that's why I like John Ross uh, going, uh, what was that, number eight or nine overall? Nine overall, obviously, he broke Chris Johnson's record for fastest runner at the combine. He's an explosive talent, and now you have A.J. Green, hopefully a healthy Tyler Eifert, uh, and John Ross in the mix, and maybe after it was kind of a bummer of a free agent uh, scenario for the free agency period for the for Bengals fans, now you have somebody to get excited about. Maybe that offense, offense could be better in the red zone and beyond. I love Ross because he's, you know, he's got the speed, but he can run – all sorts of different types of routes. I mean, he is a little more dynamic and versatile than you would expect out of that profile. That's why I thought he would get drafted high. I ended up losing some big-time sandwiches because another winner that I'm going to give is Mike Williams. And in general, the wide receivers that were taken were all huge winners. First of all, no one expected them all to go in the top 10. Maybe no one expected any of them to go in the top 10. And they all ended up in perfect situations. What's better if you're John Ross, then playing opposite A.J. Green. If you're Mike Williams now going to Los Angeles, what's better than being a vertical jump ball receiver than playing with Phillip Rivers, who's about as aggressive deep and lets his receivers go get it on a really deep offense? And then I'll even throw the last uh, receiver in there, Corey Davis, ending up in a nice situation with Tennessee. I think all the wide receivers have to be thrilled with where they landed. As soon as that pick came in, Corey Davis, Steve Smith was on NFL Network and said, absolute stud, he'll be there for 10 years. Yeah. For me, it's it's so easy. O.J. Howard, who some people had going in the top 10, the number one tight end in this class, falls to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They didn't have to – Swing a deal to get him. He goes to an offense that already has Cameron Brait, who was very effective last year. You've got Mike Evans. you got Jameis Winston at quarterback. And you also have Deshaun Jackson. I, I don't know what more the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could have done this offseason to say, we are here to take over this division or at least be very, very competitive and challenge for a wild card if not a division title. This is going to be one of the most interesting offenses to watch. Tight ends don't often flourish in year one. That's the issue. But you already have a tight end to take some of that production away if he's not if he's not blooming right away. Well, he's an inline tight end, and Cameron Braid is more of a move tight end, so they don't even really play the same position. They complement each other well. I, let me stick with another Mark Sessler thing down in the newsroom. Let me paraphrase you. You said Chris Ballard has done more in the last two months than Ryan Grigson did in the last four years. Grigo! To help that Colts roster. Poor Grigo. I, I love draft it. T.Y. Hilton. He did that. And he, he, did, had a, he, he did had a bring good, back the mullet for a little bit. He had a good 2012 <laughs> draft. Most of that was lucking into Andrew Luck. That's half a decade ago. But Chris Ballard, or he's he's already helped this defense. And then Malik Hooker, who Spice Rack compared to Ed Reed, and Brian Billick, who had Ed Reed, also compared him and said he, he might be the closest thing to Ed Reed in ball hawking skills that he's seen. Chuck Pagano, Colts coach, is almost best friends with Ed Reed. So you bring in a guy, finally, a center fielder for the Colts. This guy can set straight that secondary that has been lacking in, in – 
any kind of playmaking ability back then. I I was surprised just hearing the profile, and it really seems like Adams is such a cl- Jamal Adams is such a clean prospect and like almost as close to a can't miss guy as you could have, and that's why he got taken so high. But when you just listen to the profiles of Hooker and Adams, and when you just kind of Watch him. Hooker, to me, seems like he would have a more valuable skill set. He's that center fielder. He's the Earl Thomas type. He's not a big hitter or anything like that, but he's kind of the guy that that he's generating turnovers. He's a 2017 type of player. Like that. That's who you want back there. And I agree. The Colts have aggressively addressed that defense. Another winner for me, Eli Manning, who in the couple of months leading up to the draft, there was a lot of speculation. And the Giants may still pick a quarterback tomorrow or the next day that will put some heat on Eli, but there was speculation coming off a really bad season that the Giants will really look to move uh, in terms of putting in plan a, a succession, a succession plan, putting one in place. And instead, they don't take a quarterback in round one, and instead they actually go and add another player uh, to their offense, Evan Ingram, uh, tight end at Mississippi, who is getting favorably compared to Aaron Hernandez for the right reasons uh, in terms of his abilities as a tight end and how, I like, mean, it's very, it's very important to, to yeah. explain. I was going to say that's a low bar. Yeah, this guy's better. You know, he's a better human than Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> Let, I'm talking purely. Remember the Aaron Hernandez that you were taking in like the third round of fantasy drafts before everything went sideways. That's what some people see in this guy, a hyper athletic guy. You can move around and you add now uh, Brandon Marshall in the mix, Sterling Shepard, of course, and then Odell Beckham. Uh, Eli Manning has no excuse. No excuse. No excuse at all, Eli. And, you know, I'm the number one Eli defender on this podcast. It's, I think the only. It's disgusting to me that I'm in this position as a Jets fan, but I, I do think that he, he is a borderline Hall of Famer and all that. Offensive line could be a problem, not just for him, but just for the whole team. But they knew coming into the draft that, that that's a tough position. But to he right loses now. me as a defender if we're in October still talking about Eli having all these problems. He needs to hit the ground running with a very good offense. At least. Yeah. Besides the offensive line, which is an important part of this. Well, and they maybe they end up with uh, LeGarrette Blunt too. Yeah. Borderline Hall of Famer, borderline starter. Let's not quibble. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's ugly. Wes. As a Patriots fan, I understand why you're upset, but you can't take away with the man. <laughs> not a Patriots fan. He's just the most overrated player of my lifetime. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Winners, losers, let's keep going. Who losers, else? Losers, Greg already referenced this, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, that hurts, Greg. Did you know that Greg went to Tulane, by the way? Oh, yeah. Tulane. 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 Well, Greg has a feeling that they were that the team in front of them took their player in both spots here in the first round, but they also talked about trading Brandon Cooks to fix a defense, and with one of their first-round picks, they took an offensive tackle. That's not fixing your defense. You've got a cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore who might not be ready to be a difference maker in his first year. Was the consensus – Number one overall cornerback. So I can understand why Saints fans probably listening to this would think, look, we just got the, a guy that some people thought could go number two overall at number 11 at a position we needed. Maybe he's better than Saints Malcolm Saints fans should worry about their own team instead of wishing ill on the Falcons like they've been doing <laughs> for the past three months. Anyway, you didn't get a pass rusher. You didn't get a, some kind of Hoss linebacker. You got a cornerback who might not be ready to make an impact in, in year one, and you got a tackle. So you didn't really fix your defense. By the way, I got a trope alert. A draft trope alert. Uh-oh. Sean Payton told the media after the pick that the Saints on their board, on their board, the board that you never see and will never see, that Lattimore was rated number three or four overall. 
So they were doing backflips when he fell all the way to 11. Freaking backflips because their board had him as a can't-miss superstar, and he tumbled their way. Are they winners, though, in the sense that they don't have to go get they don't have to go to get Malcolm Butler from the Patriots now. You don't have to force some sort of trade for that situation. You you filled that need potentially. I mean, what about well, the rest it, of the needs? It, it wasn't a great night for them. It's just I, that I'd say the Patriots are winners for getting to keep Butler. One thing you remind me of with Lattimore and Ramchuk, so many of these players were just one-year starters. Like Ramchuk came out of nowhere and just played for one year, and he, you know, he had a good year. Lattimore was injured basically until his one healthy year, and that, that's up and down the draft. A lot of these guys are so risky because they've barely played uh, at the high college and, level. And to the, to the Saints' defense, Mike Mayock, who is very respected obviously, uh, said this during the live telecast on NFL Network, I'm amazed – he fell to 11. So the Saints are feeling good about that pick. It felt it filled, filled the need, obviously. How about winner Dan Hansis? Whoa, slow down. And the rest of us for, first of all, Dan Hansis correctly predicting J.J. Watt would send out an Instagram <laughs> of himself and his brother with a motivational quote, which is you know, great foresight, but also a good job by us. None of us taking you up on that sandwich. Probably amazing. It's we know actually him the, very well. It's the best played moment I think in the history of Go Get My Lunch. Thank you very much. It was actually a <laughs> the photo. When was Watt drafted? Two thousand twelve. It was two thousand eleven. I believe. Two thousand eleven. So it was a photo of Watt outside Radio City Music Hall before he was drafted by the Texans with his brothers on each side of him, and it was like, "Big bro, you, you know, welcome to the club." Something along those lines. I'm I'm upset that I didn't make any sandwiches off it, but I am also proud of all my fellow podcasters that we all knew what J.J. Watt was going to do before J.J. <laughs> Watt even knew what J.J. Watt It just was. seemed to – like you had basically arrived from the future with a very obvious news update. A <laughs> little bit of a surprise pick, too, by the Steelers, T.J. Watt, number 30 overall. Don't they pick an outside linebacker every other year? I guess so. Like a guy – they also take guys along slowly. I just thought they had other needs there. Some people thought and, – and this should make you happy, Mark, that uh, Njoku – was going to be their pick there, and maybe the Brown. That's why the Browns jumped ahead of them. Well, as long Snapped as them the away younger, from the well, division, right? As long as like Watt Part Two isn't just you know breaking Browns quarterbacks into three parts. Yeah. New money. Are you ready to talk about T.J. Watt? Uh, yeah. I mean, rough. The- have a loser. New money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> new money. Who loser behind the glass? That's me. She carried on the proud tradition of producers failing and the go, go get my lunch, which we'll we'll dig into go get my lunch more on Saturday, but Sydney. Uh, went out on a limb with an onion hanger uh, that T.J. Watt would be on cam in in, a, in someone's home or at some <laughs> site, and there would be, I believe it was 11 cutaways nine. to him. It was nine. nine. Leading up to uh, the draft, and uh, we found out even before the draft that there would be no in-house cameras on T.J. Watt. <laughs> Uh, so you were dead before the draft even started. And then it like that was history. You only, lost only, before it even started. Yeah, only off by nine. And only now am I really because it never passed the smell test to me. Even though I love you, Sid, but it was a a huge miscalculation because the you were thinking of like an Aaron Rodgers in the green room scenario. But well, they, I was kind of thinking of a Brady Quinn in the green room scenario. Okay, but the, the key was that he wasn't in the green room, so you would have they would have to be thrown at via satellite to this home over yeah, and over yeah, again. Right. And it doesn't have the same appeal, I would think, to the to the broadcasters. Isn't it great that not only did you lose this, that we can now dissect it and make <laughs> you feel increasingly foolish for even participating? Oh, absolutely. And really, at this time, I just want to send my sincerest apologies to TJ Watt, because not only was this a losing night for me, but I'm sure that the producer's curse will <laughs> bestow on him some <laughs> weird freak accident in his first year. Yikes. And what was it for? 
it was almost like a gang initiation for you, though. Like it was unpleasant. It was like it's like if a gang was like, hey, if you will drive down this highway with your headlights off and the first people that flash you turn around and then find them and kill them. This was the equivalent of that. It's the same thing. It was the same exact situation, only you didn't have to kill anybody. So in a way, you kind of came out ahead. Yeah, that's definitely an upside. I didn't lose the most amount of sandwiches tonight, though. Oh, oh, just oh. throwing. Them well, that, how about there? a tease? That's a, that's a fair point for Don Henley. I'm struggling over here. It's early. You know what? It's, it's, it's halftime. So you can pr- we can provide the halftime analysis. But there's there's still how about a, to go. like 31 three with two minutes to play. It's not over, no, this but was, it could be. I, I mean, I, I the rest of my props are based on two freak occurrences. So we'll get to it. OK, on Saturday. It might be all right. Um, anybody else a winner or a loser? I want to. I don't know how to do this, you know, lightly. Which winners and losers tend tends to be? I guess Gary and Conley would have to be considered yeah. a winner, considering how his last week has been. I don't think anyone expected after he was being investigated for potentially you know, raping a young woman that he was going to get taken in, in the first round. I mean, he went number twenty four overall. And I think part of it apparently had to do with him passing a lie detector test that that teams are using, which seems it all seems very strange. Um, But they felt confident. I mean, they must have done their homework and are feeling like he is going to be exonerated for this because it that is an incredible show of faith, I guess, by the Raiders. The Raiders have always been going back to to Al Davis, uh, a franchise that's not afraid to take chances. But I would think in this type of situation, when there's a sexual assault involved and a claim that has just been made and there's that much hanging in the air, that they would not go down this route unless they did their due diligence in terms of uh, looking into this matter. And they have to feel really good about it. Because if it turns out that that he is guilty of what uh, he's been accused of, it is a awful, awful look for the Raiders on so many uh, levels. Uh, so you got to look at in terms of his ability. I mean, this was a guy that everyone, uh, a lot of mock drafters, you know, pegged in that 10 to 15 range. Uh, so you get him at 24, and if he is indeed innocent of all charges, it's a great value pick. But it is, whew, it's it's a hot one to to get yourself involved with with the stakes this high. Well, they believe they did their homework on that front, and you know, you make that choice as an organization. I I don't. This is a soft loser, but the Seahawks. Because you trade down twice out of the first round, and they said, "Was it, is it five out of something amount of years where they've not had a first-round pick at this point? And great team, good roster, but at some point you have to continue to add players if you're the season. John Schneider's got a chance to control a few things tomorrow. He's got quite a few picks. It, 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 and also maybe if you're like you know the Patriots, you only see 14, 15 game changers in the first round, and that maybe is how they view it. So a soft loser because – Maybe it's strategic, but they they have needs. This this you cannot go into this season with the offensive line the way it was last year. I'll give you a soft winner. <laughs> sure. You may not like this. But it's a very soft winner. Brock Osweiler is a soft winner because when he was traded from the Texans in shame, I mean, you want to talk about shameful? Oh, I can't <laughs> believe it. I mean, you're the laughing stock of the league, and it's and there's nothing you can do about it after what was just probably a, for him a humiliating one season in Houston. It was it all it all seemed to be pointing toward oh he's he could get released again or traded for half a cent on the dollar by the the Browns now but instead uh, unless the Browns make a move for a quarterback in the next two days 
he's going to have a real shot to get in the starting lineup for an NFL team, and not just an NFL team, a team that now there's some hope in the building, and you're not in, usually get traded to Cleveland. It's the most depressing situation ever. I think Brock Oslo has a chance to salvage himself potentially uh, now, whether he has that ability. We'll see, but. Soft, soft. He'll play. It's a pretty safe bet that more than one quarterback plays during a Brown season. <laughs> In general. Hard knock. You brought up, by the way, the James Winston. Uh, hard knocks. Another, uh, another, excuse me, you brought O.J. Howard. Another thing to hard add knocks. to it, yeah. Uh, one more realistic winner than Brock Osweiler. <laughs> the, my Titans. <laughs> pick up. Love it. Pick up two guys at positions my of Titans. need. Corey Davis, who Steve Smith said was a stud. Adore Jackson, who looks like a day one starter at cornerback, and Spice Rack compared his kick return ability to Devin Hester. Mm. I I love these. Like, watch some Corey Davis, Wes, and I think you're going to get excited. Like, his yards after catch and his strength, like the combination of his strength and his quickness, like he looks like the prototype number one type of receiver. Ooh, that's, yeah. why, that's why I was a little surprised people were saying, well, there's not really maybe that traditional true number one type. Because looking at him, it seems like he has everything. And they certainly believe that too, to take him that high. And, and Jackson, he just seems like like great ball skills, like a, like a big time talent, maybe a little bit of a risk that he's a lightweight guy. But think what they've done in the secondary. I, I'm with you. I think John Robinson and the Titans have had a great My offense. Titans, Wes. See, see what's going on here, though? What's up? Greg's been down in the laboratory watching some college prospect film. <laughs> Coming out with a Dory Last Jackson minute. and Corey Davis takes. I like it. <laughs> Tell us about it, Greg. Well, just cram- I was cramming last minute for uh, like a, this draft here. You're like uh, you're back in college. You're in the dorm. It's time to, to cram because you need to get that passing grade for the big test. Yeah. So, like, you basically got the lowest amount of surface knowledge possible to sound like well, you know what you're talking about. That may bring up another winner, which could be the four of us, because in years past, you'd think, <laughs> I've got to do weeks and months of study to try to catch up with these draft nicks. I think we all learned that we plugged in kind of late Tuesday night, maybe early Wednesday, <laughs> and rolled right through tonight's exercise. No one's, you know, any less rich soon, for it. As soon as so, the draft started, every mock over the past few months was rendered entirely meaningless. That's a gr- that's a great point. I mean, no one no one knew anything. It was all but nightmare. here's the good news for everyone that that is part of the draft industrial complex. You know, by this time next year or before the draft next year, everyone will have forgotten that lesson once more. It's a total data wipe. It's like, oh, no quarterbacks are going to have the same exact thing. It's eight same eight things that happen every year. It will happen next year. We'll write the same articles. Then the year after that, we'll do the same thing again. Then the right. year after that, we'll do the same thing again. <laughs> the appetite what? for mocks is ravenous. One more loser. The guy who tweets out at like 2.40 or 5.45 p.m. Eastern time on, on Thursday, wait, one more update to my final mock draft, guys. <laughs> Here it is. It's like you just like, are a like loser. the world is just waiting. Like, oh wait, wait, one more final one. It's like the the self seriousness of these made up exercises. Well, now is when crazy. we should be tweeting these mock drafts out <laughs> because they all have been completely blown up from the core out. Um. Oh, I don't want to forget this guy. By the way, before we go, NFL.com loves us. By the way, <laughs> I don't want to forget this guy because there, in terms of memorable moments of the draft, by far. Uh, for me, the most memorable moment came pick 26. This was in like the uh, after we'd surged past the three-hour mark. Of the fr- let's let's tighten it up, by the way, NFL. Let's tighten this thing up. Get it under three hours. You think it's going to get shorter? Don't think so. Don't think so. But uh, anybody want to help me with this name? Tak Tak McKinley, baby. Let's go, Tak McKinley. 
who was drafted by the Falcons at 26, um, came out and it was really, and I wrote about this on the end and it was like watching the, the, the third act climax of a, a football movie. His grandmother, uh, tax grandmother, uh, when she was on her deathbed uh, several years ago, um, Tack promised the grandmother that he would play D1 football. And she, she, uh, she closed her eyes and she passed away. Tack commits to UCLA, has a really nice career, and then makes it all the way to the NFL and gets drafted in the first round. So he goes even next level from what he promised to his grandmother. So what does he do? He comes out of the green room holding a poster-sized photo of his late grandmother and uh, comes down the steps and then starts addressing the camera like a professional wrestler. <clears throat> Unbeknownst to me at the time, I, I, I thought that to myself, and then I found out that in his formative years, when his grandmother was raising him and, and, and keeping him off the streets and keeping him on the straight and narrow, they would sit in the grandmother's bedroom and watch WWE action for hours and hours. Their, his favorite wrestler was Booker T. And uh, now he's on the draft stage, and he is so fired up talking to the camera and, and being very emotive. Let's, let's hear a little bit from Tack on the stage. I made that promise, man. I told her. Before she passed away, I was going to live my dream. I was going to go D1. I was going to get out of Richmond. I was going to get out of Oakland. I was going to go to the NFL. I made that promise to her, man. 30 seconds later, she passed away. And this is what I do it for. This is what I do it for, man. Come on, man. Damn. Get to the damn quarterback. We don't get to the quarterback. <laughs> and then Dion comes over. Dion, you know, Dion doesn't know what to do. This guy's getting more and more fired up with each second. And uh, he ends up dropping an F-bomb. Uh, and then says, you could all find me. Uh, it made, for me, the biggest winner from an individual standpoint uh, was that man, uh, Tack <laughs> McKinley. I love that man. I'm happy for him. It's a great story, and we should all be happy for him. But I I think it would be cool to have, like, a cartoon where the main character was raised on pro wrestling in every situation of his life. He just plays a, a wrestler. Sign him up. He has a future. Wasn't that better than in than a lot of WWE guys? Sound? I mean, he had it down. He can do it. Yeah, the way he addressed the camera. Um, and finally, we're talking about winners and losers. This one, this is a prop that we made or that Mark made uh, on the show about the weather. Mark, what my favorite prop uh, is you are predicting rain at some point during the draft. Yeah, I confidently knew it would not happen tonight. <laughs> so what I did was I reached out. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, his name is Damian Lodes, uh, who is... I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's from Oklahoma, right? Yeah, he is an Oklahoma-based uh, weatherman. Uh, but uh, that industry, if you have to know about the, the tornadoes watch in Oklahoma. But you learn how to track weather all over the You're world. You're an everyman in that front, sure. So Damien checked out the forecast uh, uh, for Philadelphia this weekend and got back to us with an exclusive report. Uh, Damien of uh, KFOR, an official meteorologist. Hey, heroes, it's meteorologist Damian Lotus. I heard you guys had a couple sandwiches on the line for the rainfall chances this weekend at the NFL Draft in Philadelphia, so I'm here to give you guys the forecast. Now, for tonight, you saw partly cloudy skies, light winds, a great night overall. Now, as we head into Friday, it's going to be an absolutely beautiful day. We'll see oh. highs in the 80s, sunny skies. Now, by the time the draft starts at 7 o'clock Eastern time, we will see some cloud coverage mm -hmm. make its way back into the forecast. Now, at 12 p.m. Eastern time when the draft starts on Saturday, 
Mark, my friend, you're going to get some sandwiches because right around 2 to 3 o'clock Saturday <laughs> oh, afternoon, yeah. we're going to see some rainfall make its way back into the Philadelphia area. So I do expect to see a few draft goers to oh. be wearing ponchos. So we will see measurable rainfall measurable. on Saturday measurable. during the NFL <laughs> draft. So, Mark, I know you're always wondering, will Daddy ever be coming home? Well, yes, he will. And he's going to be coming home with some high-octane sandwiches. With some rations for the children. I mean, all I, all I said was that one raindrop needed to fall during the pick selection process. So and, of course, if you're – Measurable. Like, thank you, Damien, so thank much. Thank you, Damien. If you're not aware, the reason why we're, we're so hung up about this is because for the first time ever, and maybe you didn't notice, you dummy, but this draft is outside. <laughs> Wake up, Wes. That, that was an amazing pause. It there was, was a built drama. Like I wouldn't call it a terrified look in Wes's <laughs> eyes because that would be strong. But there was a little bit of confusion mixed with a little bit of low grade well, panic. I mean, it was we like, are. What am I supposed to do here? What does he want from me? <laughs> we are heading to the the pub after this, and Wes, I could tell, was already there mentally. I, so. You're absolutely and right. <laughs> Damien did did a great job. He did, and I I really appreciate that he did this for us. I. I will say a meteorologist from Oklahoma predicting the weather in Philadelphia four days out. I'm not putting that in the books quite yet. Wow. I'm not buying the same. A, a football analyst analyzing football from <laughs> Los Angeles when it's happening Ooh. in Philadelphia. That is one confident no weatherman, though. He was pretty Here's his voice. There's a, well, now there's not just your reputation on the line, Mark. Damien's is as well. So I feel very comfortable with this. Listen, it's going to happen. It's going to rain. And um, All right. Let's speaking. Of, let's go to the bar. Let's go to the cozy. In fact, uh, a listener from Hong Kong. Joe, wait. We never. You never mentioned the Ravens. Like you said, you were good. I no, feel by, like they're by, kind of a bit now. Next we'll show. get to them. We'll get. I said by the end of our draft telecast. You know uh, what though? Odds. We have till Saturday. Raiders are still your favorite. Well, they do such a nice job as an organization. They kind of made it hard on us tonight with their draft. I'm a little nervous about that. Positive, but they do have a lot of talent in their secondary. And that's right. And, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. But the one thing I tell you about the Raiders, class act organization. For now. We hope. We hope. As of now. <laughs> anyway, our friend Joe from Hong Kong left us cold hard cash behind the bar at the Cozy. It's been sitting there for weeks and weeks. Only recently uh, were we aware of this. Uh, a colleague, Dustin, uh, let us know. I don't know how he found out. This is whole convoluted to me. But we got a, a photo of a a series of $20 bills with a paper clip and our names on it waiting at the bar. So we're going to use up that tab. Joe from Hong Kong, moving up the ATNFL listener power rankings. No one's probably going to overtake Mr. F. But Joe from Hong Kong, that, that's top five material right there. I like the idea of a a listener Mount Rushmore, though. Oh, yeah. Joe from Hong Kong immediately with the cash, cold hard cash. In the mix. Well, we got in the mix. Alexis Frederick Frost with the uh, – with the cartoons and the uh, books and everything? My son reads that book every night. Josh Raymer with the T-shirts. Uh, don't forget Nick Fortier. Nick Fortier. Don't forget about the subreddit. Don't, lot, lot can never forget Tristan. A lot of competition here. Well, that let's save it for the uh, alienating our, our listeners podcast. <laughs> but you know, all you, Greeby, uh, my Indy friend Bob. Uh, we have so many. Uh, my friend Jay. Vanessa. They're all below Mr. F, though. Vanessa. He, he looks down on them. Vanessa Redgrave. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a listener. All right. We Deion will be Sanders, back. not a listener. Get <laughs> Sanders does not know that podcasts exist. Would be my guess. <laughs> That's a guess. <laughs> All right. We'll be back on Saturday night. Uh, 
Saturday afternoon-ish. Well, it depends where you are. Get off my back. Um, but after the round seven wraps up, you'll get your third podcast of the week. Uh, so make sure you tune back in for that. Thank you for listening. And uh, that's it. Good job, everybody. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, Don Henley himself, and new money behind the glass hanging there, Sid. Till Saturday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.